Coming up, do we really need another screen time app? Well, today's guest shares why he decided to build his app and what makes it different. Also, you'll discover how to post in Facebook groups without sounding spammy, why PR failed as a marketing channel, and why you should ask your users if they have considered uninstalling your app. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. See why Sony has increased their click-through rates by 5% and subscriptions by 10% since integrating Clever Tap. They've got analytics and engagement tools to really help grow your user base and subscribers. Check them out at clevertap.com. For just one low monthly price, you will discover our greatest growth hacks to driving massive downloads. You can learn more on appmastersacademy.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of appmasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to the app business. And today I've got a phenomenal guest. He's built an app that's going to help you. I need this, William. Who's going to help you monitor your kid's screen time. My fr- my son, 10-year-old son, is always on Fortnite. So I want to hear all about why he decided to do this because it's been around for some time and how he's able to achieve some success during the beta phase right now. So without further ado, let me introduce the guest. His name is William Heathershaw. He is the CEO and founder at UncleWilliam.org and makers of the app, Ava. It's available on Google Play right now if you search for A-V-A, Ava, and you can check it out on UncleWilliam.org as well. William, welcome to the show. Steve, I certainly appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. You know, I had a friend, I think I told you this before we hit record, but I had a friend who actually was trying to create this like parental parental control to monitor their screen time. This has been something that, you know, I think as parents, you know, you have a couple of kids, but as parents, we, this is something that we're focused on. So why did you decide to get to do this now? Yeah, I appreciate it. That's a great question. Um, so a little backstory of kind of the origins of unclewilliam.org. As you can imagine uh, in the name Uncle William, it's really my relationship with my nieces and nephew that kind of got this whole thing rolling. So I would visit them. And, and certainly it was a stressful situation for my sister to manage not only the time and exactly the content, but it, it seemed to me that, you know, especially being in uh, Silicon Valley for a few years, um, I definitely understood that engaging with technology certainly had their opportunities. But uh, certainly my sister saw a lot of um, issues with screen time in her own home. And so, yeah, that's how we kind of began. And then I decided that, um, you know, I, I didn't think about developing a solution myself yet. I, you know, I looked online for different uh, solutions. And certainly, yes, parental controls have been around since the, the PC days. But, uh, you know, there's certainly, you know, only uh, for the most part about restrictions and, and blocking content. And, and, you know, how can anybody learn when it's only about restrictions? And at the end of the day, you know, restrictions do uh, really just result in resentment by, by the child. And, and so we try to take a fresh new look at this and, hey, how can we have something that's you know, beneficial and helpful for the parent, but also something that at least the kid does not hate, but, you know, ideally even love. 
And uh, that's how we came up with the idea of, you know, implementing different uh, positive reinforcement features uh, powered by uh, game design. And uh, we even uh, created a uh, our lovable uh, little character. Uh, her name is Ava. She's a bunny or a rabbit or a hare. We say she's a hare. And um, that's kind of why we decided to do this, because, you know, traditional parental controls are not really so conducive to uh, helping children form a healthy uh, relationship with, with screen time. I see. I love the whole rewards for playing educational apps. And I'll tell you a little bit about it. But before I do, the, the pictures I see everywhere, those are your, those are your nieces or n- nephews. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, okay, so I apologize. I, I thought they were your kids. No, no problem at all. But they certainly are just like my kids. Awesome. Well, that's really cool. I love the whole rewards thing because, you know, my daughter, she has Raz kids and, you know, she has to read five to 20 minutes a day and we earn stars in, in yep. for reading. So how are you starting to implement these rewards in Ava? Exactly. So you can look at this as like a, a meta game. And I think that'll resonate with your audience a bit where the, the core Gameplay, we could say, is just the usage of a device like a child normally would, you know, open up any app that they want that's permitted by their parent. But we add this metagame where we help the parent choose which apps are, let's just say, higher quality and, and more productive for the child to spend their screen time on. And then we, uh, you know, reward the child when they spend time on those apps uh, with carrots, because, you know, Ava is a hare, and so she rewards carrots uh, for time spent on those, uh, what we call class apps, you know, those positive, productive, and uh, quality apps. And then the child can spend um, those carrots on time on less than productive, we can say, apps, and we call those recess apps. And that's kind of uh, the metagame and then the structure of how the, the app uh, works. I like that, William. So, but, you know, like with these incumbents, is that the way you say? But with these other competitors out there already, how do you think about, how do you strategize the launch of a particular app like this? Yeah. So, I mean, certainly there, there's a lot of hurdles that we've uh, come across. And we knew that we would be, once we decided to uh, develop a solution where there's, yes, already been parental controls, even on mobile since almost, you know, uh, day one of, of the iPhone and, and Android devices, so nearly 10 years now. And, and so we knew that there'd be many challenges, but we also realized that, you know, today it's very different, a very different uh, marketplace than it was, you know, 10 years ago. Not just because every single child, it seems like, will have uh, screen time, but also there's definitely great uh, public awareness of, of the negative effects of too much uh, screen time, especially quality, uh, not quality content where uh, their parents are not involved. Um, and so we definitely realized that, that there certainly was an opportunity there. But then it's just a matter of, you know, needing to truly understand who our users uh, and our families are um, and, and what are their demands. Uh, and, and so, yes, so by first, of course, understanding what um, is needed by, by our families, then we can start to think about the best uh, go-to-market uh, approach around that. And really, we've kind of decided on a few things. Uh, first, I think there's a lot of um, opportunity yet with uh, some SEO and ASO. Um, and, and the reason I say this is that our app is specifically designed for the youngest of screen time users. So these are uh, screen uh, time users that are two to seven years old. And, and most parental control solutions out there are actually designed for even children that are leaving the house with their own device. And so you know, there's definitely a lot of ASO, SEO opportunity there around, um, you know, preschool, kindergarten, uh, grade one, you know, parental control apps for 
for you know five-year-olds, uh, this sort of thing that really has not been focused upon by uh, the more traditional or incumbents um, um, out there. Uh, but also, you know, it, it's there's certainly a lot of partners out there that um, already interact with families and young children on a daily or a weekly basis that do benefit from a solution like AVA. Um, there's quite a few preschools out there, for example, that have unstructured time, um, whether it's the morning or the afternoon, where screen time is an option. And, and currently, there's no great way for, for those uh, schools to uh, you know, kind of manage to make sure that one child is not spending too much time on a given day and to make sure that they're not spending every day, all day um, on the same sort of app. And so anyway, there's certainly um, been some very obvious ways that we've been able to um, find room in the market just because we um, understand the youngest of screen time users and their families' needs much better than these kind of uh, incumbents out there. So is it like understanding here's the age group, here's the, you know, it's a, you just, like you said, two to seven year old, what kind of moms, targeting moms, targeting dads, you kind of figuring that out and then probably using Facebook to drive the downloads through there? Well, so, um, I mean, that's exactly right as far as um, understanding who our audience is. Um, and then um, we certainly did use Facebook to target against this um, earlier on. Um, in our test uh, alpha markets. And so right now we are in uh, beta in, I believe, 10 countries, um, primarily English-speaking countries. Uh, though when we were in alpha, we, we chose uh, just a few countries. We chose uh, the Philippines, uh, New Zealand, and, and Finland. And we did run um, Facebook campaigns to drive, of course, our initial uh, installed base, uh, primarily for, for you know, improving our metrics of uh, our, our conversion rates of, of course, install to... Um, you know, being a retained user after one week. Um, but even even beyond just kind of knowing who our users are for targeting purposes, then it's also about knowing who our users are and, and kind of what they value for, for keeping them retained and continuing to provide uh, value to them. Um, at the end of the day, I did not mention this before, but, you know, we are unclewilliam.org and we are a social enterprise. And the whole idea is, hey, yes, we are a for-profit business. We, we do want to make money, but at the same time, First and foremost, we are here to make sure that families are able to uh, keep their kids, you know, safe, healthy, and productive when online, and and that's a continuous process. So it's about understanding who they are to drive installs, but of course to make sure that we're continuously providing that value to uh, keep them uh, with us. Now I know you have a small team, but when you're and I get this question a lot as well, William. But when you're so early in the days, like how do you really figure out which channels to focus on? Man, it's so difficult. Um, uh, so I think what with that said, what we've really done a pretty good job of is, uh, just a lot of experimentation. Um, of course, you know, there's the lower hanging fruit of, you know, where our, our, uh, target audience families spending their time online, because of course if we want them to convert to an install, they should ideally be online already. So there's been a lot of interesting places we've experimented there with, uh, relevant, you know, parents uh, groups on, on Facebook, for example. Um, but, you know, obviously there's it's a grind. A lot of these kind of guerrilla marketing tactics that we've experimented with, it certainly is a grind. And, uh, of course, some will see some immediate uh, effect, a positive effect of installs. And others obviously will take a, a bit more time. So to, to form a trusting relationship with uh, 
Facebook group owners that might have uh, thousands of families um, active in their group, uh, that does take some time um, to, to build the trust. But also sometimes they're, you know, it's, it's about what exactly does this group moderator um, uh, find value in? So oftentimes, yes, of course, it's providing value to their users, but they themselves, you know, are dedicating their own time and resources to moderate the group. So they also may be looking for uh, some support as well. Uh, but so just, it's a lot of experimentation and it's a lot of uh, trying to understand what channel um, will provide the most results. Um, and, and I guess the amount of input that's required is not so important yet. It's just important to notice, uh, to realize what uh, input is required. So we've come down essentially with three groups of uh, marketing channels that uh, are kind of the lowest hanging fruit. And we kind of call these uh, single base hits, essentially. So, you know, we put in the time and the, the, the input and we will see um, some installs, but that's fine. You know, it's enough installs to uh, continue to test our product to uh, create some amount of virality. Um, and then there's those uh, uh, marketing efforts that are uh, take a little bit more time. But of course, we'll then uh, have a greater amount of uh, uh, feedback from from those experiments. And of course, you know, we're taking about one uh, home run shot one swing for the fence uh, each month and that's uh you know reaching out to some of the bigger brands uh that are uh, trusted by families that have already that relationship established to really see how we can co-position our products and our brands to uh to benefit each other so it's almost like i love the way you put it it's like having three different buckets and one is you know like single base like these are we know are going to provide some value but maybe like you know not as huge wins here but then allocate some time to then these big home runs as well and so do a little bit almost of everything but you know have a diverse diversified diversified plan where one can you know one hit with these big brands can just really make the day exactly right so we, we need to have results immediately uh we we um of course need to keep the team inspired by uh, our continued growth but of course, at the same time, uh, you know, one of those deals will kind of set uh, our path forward for for some time to come. Any hard fast rules in terms of like percentage? Hey, you know, fifty percent should be like single base hits. You know, fifty percent, and you know, like forty over here. Like, did you do you guys do that, or is it just like, so, hey? Well, that, that's that's right. And then actually, that does change as uh, time goes on. And so, um, we did enter open beta, um, I believe, late June. And earlier on, the, the focus was much more of yeah, let's get those single base hits so we can at least have some traction. Um, and so we don't have to rely on paid uh, Facebook ads uh, continuously. But at the same time, we did dedicate maybe about 10% of our time then to uh, work with um, and to reach out to the larger media outlets. Um, and But but certainly 90% of our time then was focused on let's get you know some traction, let's get some feedback from our initial users. Uh, but now it's shifted a little bit more to where we're trying to reach out now to uh, more kind of business, uh, potential business partners and uh, potential brands. What's, what worked early on in the days of driving the best type of users? Well, what I'll say, um, what did not work so well at first was that, um, uh, you know, reaching out to uh, media outlets. You know, I was certainly, you know, quite self-confident that we have uh, an amazing story. You know, we have an amazing team. We have advisors that are, um, former uh, Facebook and Apple, um, Twitch. Um, we have advisors that own uh, preschools. 
uh, we have unofficial advisors that are, um, you know, child psychologists. And I myself have uh, quite a bit of uh, experience in Silicon Valley. So I figured because of our great team and because of our product, that's really um, hitting uh, at a great time where there's been so much public awareness of, of uh, tech addiction and struggles that parents are facing. To, to me, it seemed like the perfect storm to have some great coverage by, you know, the leading uh, uh, media. But unfortunately, that has not worked out so well. And I think the the expectation was wrong. The expectation should not have been coverage, you know, cover our beta launch, but certainly should have been more about, you know, let me introduce myself. And, um, you know, I'd like to begin this conversation with you as uh, time goes on. Hopefully we can do something together. Um, so our expectation and our uh, amount of effort we put in there, I think 10% of our time was even just too much time. I think we should have just kind of ignored any sort of uh, uh, PR um, stunt, especially focused on the larger media outlets. Um, so that's at least to answer your question of what did not, or I'm sorry to answer your question by first saying what, uh, was not the ideal thing to work on. Uh, but otherwise what did work is, you know, there's just a plethora of, uh, Facebook groups out there dedicated to families in different markets. So just by typing in on Facebook keywords like Manila parents or, um, Auckland parents or Helsinki parents, um, you know, that's certainly um, something that helped uh, quite a bit to get the uh, first traction is, uh, you know, it really. So what, what this does, of course, is not just reach out to the parents uh, in general to get installs and to get feedback. But, of course, it really does help uh, localize that conversation because we already know um, the some aspects of the community that they belong to. So we can really kind of tailor our um, conversation to to that how do you post something in these groups, William, without sounding so spammy? Like, hey, guys, check out my app. Download it. Give me some feedback. Because, you know, I've been a part of some of these groups and you get a lot of people asking for it. Maybe it's because it's an app-specific app group. But anyways, how do you make it sound genuine and authentic and get people to actually want to download your app? Right. So, yeah, first and foremost, um, yeah, the, the the acceptance rate to these groups actually is not that high. And that's why it's definitely a grind because a lot of these groups do have um, a, a wall that asks, you know, what city do you live in and how many kids do you have? And, and of course you need to be forthright because that's when it completely becomes spam. Of course, is when you uh, are a, a wolf in a sheep's clothing or something like that. But so uh, as we are forthright, Hey, you know, we have this great product that we've received a lot of great feedback from uh, families that are similar to the families in your group. And we'd love to uh, receive the feedback um, as well from, from your families if they think this is, beneficial um, to them. Uh, and of course, that sort of messaging does a couple of things. It establishes that there is already uh, traction and, and we are already working with other groups, at least in other cities. And also, you know, we first and foremost are not there to sell anything. Uh, it is about how do we make this product uh, better for your family? And both messages are completely sincere. And I think uh, being forthright about your intentions and being vulnerable um, you know, to say, Hey, we don't have everything figured out and we actually need your help to have it figured out is really the approach that has uh, worked well for us. Um, and then once we are accepted to a group, I, I also don't post until I have the moderator specifically say, yes, that messaging, uh, works. And, uh, I also even tried to say, do you mind, um, either posting this yourself if you think it is a great thing for your group or even maybe pinning my message to the top of your group for, uh, some amount of time. Uh, to receive extra uh, coverage. Um, so again, it's it's a grind, but I think the, the more transparent you are and the more vulnerable and honest you are to the moderator and to the group, um, yeah, we'll definitely see more um, successful responses. I love that you asked the moderator. That's brilliant. 
I think it makes it so much better. I have a couple of groups that I moderate too. And by just by asking alone, it's like, all right, well, you're not just trying to, you know, spam the heck out of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm kind of curious, have you had um, uh, folks kind of reach out to you? And, um, and, and oftentimes, are these guys actually wanting to provide something of true value? Or is it is there sometimes a mismatch where they think there's actually value, but mm, they're, they're off? Yeah, it's, most of the time, it's they're off. And a lot of times, no pe- people don't ask, right? And it's the times they do is when it's like there's real value to be had too. And so I was like, you know what? I'll post for you. And I know the founder. So I knew one of the founders who wanted to post about this and it wasn't the founder that was posting, but I knew I knew him already. And so it kind of helped out. And I was like, oh, this is a really good deal anyways. So I'll let this slide. But I think just asking is so much better than just trying to get away with it. Because people will look, say like, hey, Steve, I posted this. Can you accept it? And I'm like, no, like, you know, this is not a good content or, or it's not that great. And so I've even asked moderators and like, I'll post something like, Hey, can you share this? It's like, I'm not trying to sell anything, man. It's really good content. Yeah. Yeah. So it's certainly a grind to go through that whole process. But once you do, uh, you know, you're in, I guess is, uh, the way to say it with, with uh, these communities, which they provide just, you know, countless, uh, support and help. William, I'm curious to know, like, are there certain metrics that you really wanted to focus on? in the first few months of the, the beta launch? Yeah. So for us, it's uh, definitely about, um, you know, of course, retention, but what does retention look like? And what we look at specifically is, um, is the user entering uh, kids mode. And uh, so there are, so we have two modes. Uh, we have, of course, the kids mode, where, which is locked and where the child can engage with all of the uh, apps and content their parent approves. And then there's the parents mode where they can, of course, not only look at the statistics um, of what the child has been um, doing within the kids mode, but also uh, we make uh, recommendations uh, for different uh, content based on um, reviews from from trusted uh, sources. Uh, But anyway, um, so for us, it's not only if the parent uh, looks into parents mode, uh, but, you know, is the child um, entering kids mode? when the child is on the device. So there's a couple of things that could be telling us. One, it could be a product issue where um, we, we do ask the family to um, choose Ava as the default launcher when it's the child's device. That way, every time the device is opened up, it first opens into Ava, not into the uh, you know uh, default Android um, desktop. Or, but uh, so at least we all know if it's uh, working correctly, but more importantly is you know, it's actually certainly a strong signal if, um, if, if the, um, if the child is using a device, but they're not opening kids mode first, because it might suggest that the parent is not satisfied because perhaps the child is not happy with, uh, the experience. And, and so the child, the parent might just essentially give up and say, okay, fine, have what you're uh, used to. Um, so we just need, and if that doesn't work, if that retention rate is not high enough for us, then um, there's certainly a bit we need to experiment with, whether it is the product that's the issue or we need to ask uh, better questions to the families of, hey, uh, have you considered uh, just stop using uh, Ava? Um, and if so, uh, why? Mm. Uh, so at least it does help us kind of realize where uh, we need to focus more of our uh, development uh, focus. How did you ask that question? Was it through email? Um, so it's it's it's... It's a question that um, it is currently, yeah, quite difficult to to ask. And, and so what I do 
is if I see kind of a, a blip, um, I, I do ask kind of a small panel of parents that I have that, uh, you know, say, Hey, we've made these changes. Um, as you've probably seen, um, we've seen like an increase of, uh, uh, usage of kids. I'm sorry. We've seen an uh, increase of kids devices being used that are not using Ava. Do you have any ideas of kind of what might've happened in our uh, most recent release? Um, but yes, otherwise, unfortunately there's not great, a great way for us to, um, receive that feedback that we've implemented. I see. And then from the retention side, are you just kind of monitoring how often are the kids using it? You know, are they coming back to the app? Those type of basic metrics, or is there something more? I mean, it's those basic metrics. Um, yes. And so I think as time goes on, we'll, we'll be looking at also parents mode because realistically at the end of the day, you know, um, it's the, um, the pediatricians, uh, do recommend like the most important thing isn't really the amount of screen time. It is about the parent involvement. Um, does the parent have any idea what their child's been up to? And ideally the parent can relate what the child is experiencing to their real life. So it's not like this alternate uh, universe that the child lives in whenever the parent gives uh, the child a screen. And so certainly that metric is what we'll be looking at next is, hey, how do we further increase uh, parent engagement as well? I love it. All right, anything I missed or did not ask you that you want to make sure we cover? Well, I think, you know, that's great. I think the reason I uh, accepted the invitation for this uh, podcast, not only because I wanted to chat with you, but um, just today in the New York Times, there's an article by um, uh, Nellie Bowles um, about a report, a, uh, some research that was recently done by Dr. Jenny Rudesky, who is um, who's amazing. Uh, and she's, she's been very kind to us. And um, she wrote the guidelines for the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendations on uh, media usage for, for children. And she came out with a, uh, a research report that shows that uh, the vast majority of games or apps directed to children have some sort of advertisement, which is really unfortunate because um, uh, a lot of these include those that say they're an educational app. And if, if, of course, the purpose of an educational app is for a child to, to learn something and retain something, uh, you need to optimize toward that. But if a lot of these have advertisements in it, these advertisements become distractions and the child actually does not remember as much as they should. And it actually, yeah, there's actually a lot of negative uh, side effects to this sort of advertising uh, tactics that a lot of these apps have taken. So anyway, uh, that's an issue with those that are directly targeting kids. But at the same time, we know uh, through our own metrics that uh, the most popular apps with children are actually those that are for a general audience. Um, so they may be appropriate for kids, but there's actually a lot of issues where maybe they're, they're tracking data without the parent's permission, they're doing advertisements, so on and so forth. And so I think uh, what I really want to get across on this uh, uh, podcast, on this interview, is that, hey, if, if you would like to reach out to families and provide a, a great entertainment uh, product for children, fantastic. Um, please just make sure uh, it's being done right. And I'm, I'm more than happy to have that conversation uh, with any developer that wants to make sure that they are um, doing things the, the right way. At the very least, it's to provide um, or to prevent uh, negative uh, PR, as quite a few of these apps are receiving now. Um, but, at, you know, ideally to... to to have this conversation because it's the right thing to, to do. Um, and, and really at the end of the day, that's kind of the whole reason behind Ava. It's uh, to make sure that parents can be rest assured that 
when you give your child screen time, and let's be honest, it's part of our culture today uh, for the vast majority of families. And so at least be rest assured that your child will focus on higher quality content, but also um, we will do our best to make it easy for, for the parent to remain engaged with the child as well um, through that screen time. Love it. Uh, so mm-hmm. anything else? Uh, that's it. Cool. Well, before we hit the big finish, William, I do want to thank my sponsor, clevertap.com. Look, William gave you, I love this question that William said, Hey, have you considered uninstalling Ava? And if so, why? And clevertap.com gives you that platform, empowering marketers like you and I to retain your users for life. Now we all know life is probably not, it's a long time, not really doable, but they're going to empower you to really make those have the data and the insights and the segmentation to really retain your users for as long as you possibly can. And William, one way that they can help you do that is they have this ghost push notification. So if they know if users have actually deleted the app from your phone, and what you can do is automatically send these users, if you have their email address, a follow-up email that says, hey, William, notice that you haven't used Ava for a bit, want to know why, want to know how we can improve it because we have just put these features in. And companies that have used this, they have a a case study on their website, but companies that have used this have seen 20 as much as 26% decrease it, decrease in uninstall rates. So the website is clevertap.com. If you want to really retain your users and have the tools to retain your users, go check out clevertap.com. Let them know you heard it on this podcast and they'll hook you up. It is once again, clevertap.com. William, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Give us one app we definitely have to check out. Well, if you haven't checked this app out yet, uh, there must be a specific reason as to why. Maybe you're not curious about uh, other languages or you have no practical reason to, to learn or become uh, more proficient in another language. But uh, Duolingo, man, I've, I've been around uh, Duolingo for several years and it's actually been very helpful every time I'm preparing uh, a trip overseas to uh, attend or speak at a conference. And uh, it's just been a fantastic way for me to always stay um, connected and, and, and always kind of remembering that, hey, we live in this global world. And so for my app or my business or for me in general to succeed, I need to be much more in tune with other cultures. Um, and so that's kind of more the philosophical reason why I uh, spend a bit of time on Duolingo. But secondly, I mean, they do pretty fantastic job at um, kind of understanding this uh, game design for good uh, philosophy. And so they've uh, certainly implemented quite a few uh, nice features, badges, uh, that sort of thing, streaks to uh, really uh, encourage the, the user, the student to, um, to keep on track with their studies. And uh, in that vein, I mean, that's, you know, that's why uh, not specifically after Duolingo's uh, uh, influence, but specifically that's, you know, using game design for good is why we've created this metagame around a child's uh, screen time experience. And so I, I feel a certain kinship with, uh, with Duolingo um, and uh, Duolingo, check it out if you haven't done it yet. What language are you trying to learn? Well, so I, fortunately, I, um, uh, so like most recently I was in uh, Ukraine um, and, and it was interesting because I was like, well, I should try to learn some Ukrainian, but I realized at least in Kiev that uh, a lot of people speak Russian. And so mm-hmm. then I, I, I spent some time uh, instead to kind of focus on Russian uh, just because it seemed to, to be a little bit more universal, but uh, most recently uh, Russian. I like it. What's the lesson that took you the longest to learn? Oh, well, I guess 
specifically, I don't have any, uh, I don't recall any specific lessons that uh, took the longest to learn. Or, now, are you talking about languages or specifically within uh, Russian? No, just in life, William. <laughs> <What's a little laughs> so I have your, I mean, don't, don't aim for home runs. You did put that. Some of the- yeah, that's certainly, uh, you know, if you do aim for home runs, uh, certainly do it uh, in moderation. Uh, first and foremost, focus on traction, because a lot of times if you want to hit uh, aim for that home run, you will need to provide evidence of how badass you are. And, and if you don't have those single, double, triple base hits first, then you don't have that much evidence. You just have a great story. Um, and, and secondly, another great life lesson would be to... Uh, Always be learning. So speaking of Duolingo, speaking of Eva, but uh, yeah, I mean it's important to, to listen to like your podcast and and to keep on reading um, what's going on because that's you know that's how opportunities open up. Um, you know, it seemed to me when I read this New York Times article this morning that you know it's it's really a problem that a lot of these app developers are not really doing the right thing for for families. Uh, but you know, to me, it looked like an opportunity to uh, really let the world know that Ava was specifically designed to take care of families, even though these other apps uh, may not be doing the right thing because we can help the parent know and weed out which uh, content is, is better for their family. Um, and so always, always be learning because at least in the business world, that is how you can be exposed to, uh, to opportunities. I love it. Two great lessons there. Don't only that was the thing. Don't only aim for home runs. Definitely have a portion of what you're doing and always be learning. I tell everybody that I know, I'm like, William, I would always, I will always do a podcast in some shape, form, or another because it is one of the best ways that I get to learn and stay engaged with whatever activity I'm trying to do. And it really, I like being social. I like talking to people and working by myself. Sometimes you don't get that. So it gives me that platform as well. The website, once again, is unclewilliam.org, the app that you'll find on the website if you search for it as well. It's prominently on the website. It is Ava. Go check for it out. Go check it out on the Google Play Store. It's an open beta right now, so you can check it out. Give William some valuable feedback that he can use. William, if the audience wants to follow up with you, connect with you personally, do you want to send them anywhere else? Sure. You know, uh, William at unclewilliam.org is my email address. More than happy to hear from you. And especially if, if you want some uh, feedback about how to make your uh, app more suitable for, for children and families, uh, happy to have that conversation. Awesome. William, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Steve, you're a good guy. I appreciated the, the chat. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.